Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Me About Your Book. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. I'm really excited to be talking to author Jacob Simpson because he has written a book called The Last Good Friday. And there's actually a lot of things going on in this book that I'm really excited to discuss. But hi, Jacob, how are you today? I'm well, how are you? I'm good, thank you, thank you. Let's get into your book like right away. So Last Good Friday has a lot to do with with the coronavirus, well, COVID-19. So can you kind of tell me what your book's about first? Sure. So in the early days of the coronavirus, uh, my character, who I'm hoping to build a series around, Joshua Gates, he's a pastor who moonlights as a private eye, and he operates out of New York City. And he gets involved in a case with an Irish mob boss. He's hired by the mob boss to find the boss's missing daughter. The daughter was a med school student who disappeared in Albany. And for those who don't know New York geography, Albany is like a few hours north of New York City. Obviously, in the early days of COVID, people were not traveling very much. So this puts him at a hindrance. And he has to kind of figure out things digitally. He has to go around the city to try and and maybe suss out where she might be. And all the while, what he finds in an unlikely way is he's forming a bond with the mob boss. If you you all recall the early days of COVID, there was like a lot of loneliness and uh, these two people kind of found this unlikely connection. But the mob boss also might be involved in his daughter's disappearance. So he's trying to maintain a distance. He's finding that difficult. And all of it uh, culminates on on Good Friday, which in, in 2020 was, I believe, the second Friday in, in April. So still in the in the worst of, of the early early time of COVID. Okay, before we get more into the action of the book, I'm really curious, what made you first pick your character to be a pastor, and then you went the opposite end to a mob boss that hires him? It, it's such a really interesting conflict between the two. What made you want to go that route? Sure. Uh, a few things. So, um, Josh, uh, my, my big inspiration is always Chinatown. If you read anything I, I write, I'm always just trying to rewrite the movie Chinatown. I love that movie. Joshua Gates's name is a tribute to Jack Nicholson's character, Jake Gitz. Years ago, I am a Lutheran pastor. And years ago, when we first heard about kind of dwindling church attendance, we were encouraged as younger ones to be bivocational. Uh, I am not currently bivocational, but I imagined a guy who was, and this is Josh, and he is a pastor, but he's only part-time, so he has to have another job. And uh, he's a private eye because of something that happened very long ago in his life that's a different story. The reason I picked a mom boss, I've always been fascinated with kind of two things. One, I've always been fascinated with gangster stories, but also... My books, because I'm trying to turn this into a series, are always about the clash of New York's past and present. And if you're not familiar with New York City, for a long time, Hell's Kitchen, which is the neighborhood just next to Times Square on the west side of the city, was a different community than it is now. A lot of tenements, a lot of crime, and there was a gang that operated out there called the Westies. And over the years, I mean, there's 
the crime fighting, but but also there's a lot of gentrification. So it's obviously a very different neighborhood. And this guy who was the mob boss is kind of like the last guy standing of that era. And so part of what he and Josh actually bond over is the decline of the church and the decline of kind of his own institution, a, a criminal enterprise, so it may be. There's sort of an unlikely uh, overlap there. So that's kind of what made me do it. Uh, the guy is not, I don't imagine him being like a Tony Soprano type. If you've ever read about real life mobsters, they're just really I... people. He is he is friendly and he is charming. And, and that's kind of, you know, it helps he and Josh to bond easier in a way that might not be healthy, depending on how the book turns out. Gotcha. How was it writing this book, the process, knowing that you wanting it to be a series? Because are you are you doing cliffhangers as well? Like, how was your writing process? So this actually isn't the first Josh Gates book I wrote. This is just ah, the okay. Pitched. So I've actually written gotcha. three, and I'm working on a fourth. I'm just thinking like I'm going to write as many as possible, and eventually one of them will sell. Not not doing cliffhangers. The big the big um, connecting theme is Josh uh, is married to his wife Julia. She's a nurse, and they kind of you know she eventually kind of gets integrated and they solve crimes together. So if I like if I am fortunate to have this developed into a series and it run long enough, I eventually plan to make her her full their full and equal partners. But really, every book is its own self contained case. That like that way, like for people like they might reference what happened in the other books, but you can also probably just pick one up and and not have to worry about reading it out of order. Okay. Well, so would you safely say that Joshua Gates is your favorite character so far to write, especially in this series? Or awesome. the mob boss sounds really intriguing too, actually. <laughs> really good question. Oh man. See the, the first <laughs> thing is I have just now begun to branch out to different POVs, but the first three books are pretty much strictly from Josh's Josh. POV. Mm-hmm. The character I actually like the most was in the first book I wrote. Josh is hired by the the son of someone who has been arrested. And the man hires him to make, to kind of get his father off the hook, saying, my father didn't commit this murder. And I had actually based that off of my wife's grandfather, who just passed this year. But uh, he oh. lived most of his life uh, in the Lower East Side, in the Jacob Riss housing projects. And he loved his apartment. We always joked, like, they would have to, like, basically, you have to kill someone to get out of there. And that's kind of where the tickle came for me, writing that story. Basing that character, it wasn't based on my father-in-law. He and I have a good relationship, but I based him on someone I knew in a different part of my life. And I was really intrigued by him, uh, this person who would hire Josh and, and kind of take up for his father, this person who sort of got out of the neighborhood and, and sort of made a life for himself, but still is connected to it. I, I, I always find myself like, I've, like I said, I've written three now, working on a fourth, and I just keep coming back to that particular character i don't know if i could ever write a full-length book about him but just thinking of his life and and kind of what was going on in my subconscious when i wrote it his name is roberto and that's he's always been kind of the one i think is my most my most interesting character or at least the one that i think about the most i mean josh is interesting but josh is also an extension of myself and i find myself to be pretty boring so (laughs) no i imagine authors like I don't know, you guys, I imagine you guys like map out all these things on, on your computer, on the wall, and 
and all you do is just kind of write the stories with the curtains drawn and and you guys do nothing else you know and that's that's how we imagine authors are and as much as you work on your books you know the months or the years we're the ones that are like we read it in a day so we're ready for the next one that's how I imagine you guys uh-huh. So that is how it is. <laughs> that's not exactly. I don't know if you want to speak, speak to my process. That's not exactly my process. I mean, there's uh-huh. some already with that, but yeah. In the reader's mind, we we just we we're very we're focusing on you guys. It's writing, so we're the we're the Annie Wilkes, and you guys like the Paul Sheldon, really. So, how long did it take you to write this book, or how long has it been since you? started the Joshua Gates journey? So the first one I started writing in 2018, set it aside and went back to it in 2019. And then um, the last good Friday, I don't want to make it sound like writing is easy. It's not. It is incredibly hard. At the time, because of COVID, I was taking a writing class by one of my favorite authors, Lawrence Block. He put the whole class online. But he was like, as part of the class, you need to be working on something. That's how I started this book. And his series that I really like, the Matthew Scudder series, is based out of Hell's Kitchen, which is part of the reason why it kind of got me thinking it to that direction. Using his writing process, it probably took me about six weeks to write a first draft. And then there's um, the editing. The, the editing is always the hardest process because, I mean, like, it looks like garbage when it comes out. <laughs> but I am not a perfectionist. I am just – it's like passing a horrible illness through your body. Just get it out. everything up and take medicine deal with the consequences later but you got to get it out of your body that's kind of like for me like the first draft was not hard the the subsequent revisions were difficult and i'm very fortunate to have a good editor who i who i hire every time who does good work but i do feel like your book not only is it pretty character driven but there's something about the scene the behind the scenes as far as like the new york part and the I'm trying to say that there's more than just like the characters and events in your book. There's something about that setting that you you've built around it that you've you let us kind of sink into. How important was that for you to portray like New York City in a certain way for us mm-hmm. to get the feel of it? How was that? Enormously, enormously. Like I said, my my books are always about the clash of New York past and present. Mm-hmm. I have this morbid fascination with going around the city and seeing like where all these things happen. Like here are the five the points. History and, is um, amazing. You know, like, yeah. the, like the, the kind of underworld history is what I've always yeah. been. And yeah, I do the revolutionary war stuff too. It's, it's great. I'm from Baltimore and uh, very much a proud Baltimorean. So mm-hmm. I know firsthand how much that city has changed what it was and what it is. And that, that, that has always fascinated me is how do these transitions happen? Why do they happen? Who gets left behind? And how does that impact people? And I think for the last Good Friday, you see with John McGraw, who is the boss, like he is clinging to something that does not exist anymore. But he's doing it because he feels he has to, because he doesn't know any different. You know, when he grew up in Hell's Kitchen in the 70s and 80s, it was this kind of dumpy area and 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 no one cared about it. So uh, yeah, like for him, it's just natural just to, to be a part of the neighborhood, even if it's not the neighborhood he remembers. So that's what I like about New York is like beneath all the tall buildings and all there, there really is a, like just, just so much, so many stories. 
mm-hmm. and so many stories that to tell. And I really feel like for each of my mysteries, I really tried to to bring those stories to life and help people understand, like, you know, Greenpoint is more than just like a trendy neighborhood. You know, the Lower East Side was not always a fun place to be. Uh, hey. It's very different. Yeah. So that's, that's, I'm so glad you asked that because that really is essential to my writing is, is making New York City a character. I love that you get the, you know, you get your, your storyline with the, with the disappearance of the daughter or just how Joshua Gates approaches the PI, his duties as a PI or even a pastor. But the fact that it's, it's surrounded by all this history of such a such a place that we all wonder about you know it it seems like we're especially me living all the way in texas it's like us looking to a snow globe almost of what's happening you know know, whenever we see movies or read books about it there's always this wonder of how it really is so i i love books like this that that gives such a importance to the space that the characters are in but jacob what else can you tell me about you as an author? I have been looking now for years to get published. Everyone says rejection is a part of it. And I've had a couple of really close calls, uh, a publisher and an agent that were both interested that ultimately passed. The thing that I keep getting back that I understand, I understand the criticism is like my books are difficult to market. I'm not a long-winded writer. My my final drafts tend to be between 70 and 75. Most publishers are looking for 80 at a minimum. People want like the stone cold who done it, and that's not really what I I write. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like a, a good character driven mystery. I, I I need to. The, the thing I always tell people is like I will read. I love crime fiction, but I'll read just about anything as long as I have a reason to care. Mm-hmm. Good, person, bad person, absolutely ambivalence, antihero. I don't really care. I just need a reason to care about the story itself. So I try to write stories that are interesting. But they are difficult to market. I mean, it's like it's part of this hard-boiled tradition that at the moment is not really in vogue. And it's it's part of, you know, like with character-driven stories that are not, you know, you can't just be like, hey, read it. You'll really like the characters. You know, it's not a good way to sell a book. There needs to be a hook for someone. Um, so my hooks are tantalizing, I think. But then it's like when you get to the bigger thing of like, what are authors like you? And I'm like, well, Walter Mosley is kind of like me. I mean, he integrates social issues with his mysteries. And, you know, Kristen Lepianca is like great at being a contemporary millennial private eye writer. I don't have a lot of like shot for shot comps. I can make it difficult uh, to market. So for me, it's just kind of like it's been a lot of banging my head against the wall and trying to get published. Oh, man. And- <laughs> Still hustling to do it and and hoping someday it'll happen. And uh, I I vacillate between despair and acceptance and just kind of and things happen in life to where it's just like okay this isn't just important to me right now and then it boomerangs mm-hmm. back into relevance. Yeah, just a lot of frustration. But uh, I like writing these books and I like telling these stories and I'm gonna keep doing it until someone picks it up. <laughs> right. So with that. The, your two previous books before this one, then, are people able to order it already or have their hands on it any in any way? Or where can we get your you cannot, works? You cannot order it. You can read the first chapter of the first book, All Who Love and Serve Your City, on my website. I created my gotcha. website when I was trying to sell the first one. Um, so that first chapter is up there. 
Uh, I've also written three short stories with Josh Gates that um, you can read. If you go either to my website, jacobsimpsonauthor.com, I'm very, very active on Instagram, Jacob Simpson Author. That's where I found this wonderful podcast. The link tree will have a link to each one of the three short stories. The first one I written for charity to raise money and the other two, like one was written because I had this, like I saw an image of something at Halloween and just had to write this story. And then another one was written when I worked in Greenpoint as kind of like a tribute to the neighborhood because I really liked it. So. so that's one way where readers can be exposed to your work and yeah. ultimately publishers can access to you and get to know you. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's. This is so fascinating already. I feel like this should definitely be series or beyond <laughs> that because just re- just you telling me about Joshua Gates or or even even the mob boss or even anything like this. I just love how the setting and the you can like feel the airiness kind of of the history and I love that you can kind of imagine the music also. I like to I like to incorporate music somehow when I'm reading in the in the background, just so I'm in that mood, I guess. You'll get a big, like, when you read my books, there's a lot of, like, Josh is listening to this and that. And if I'm ever fortunate to get published, I'll put out, like, a big playlist. I have to go back oh, and all, right. all the songs. songs right. But songs are such a great motivator to, to write stuff. I, I would say my third book, which is set in part in New York and Los Angeles, is really motivated by music more than more than any other story. Oh, oh well, then I hit the nail on the head, kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> well, thank you, Jacob, for coming by today. I think your work is so fascinating. I love that you're not just like, all right, I'm just going to turn out a couple of things and see if it sticks. You put your heart and and your focus and so much in this. This is fascinating work. Any last minute thing you want to say before we go today? I'm really grateful to be on. And Yay, thank you. one gift I, I try to give to everyone is if you like mysteries, please read Ross McDonald's Lou Archer series. Though and you could you could pick up any book in that series because there is no arc. Those are just such beautiful, empathetic books that I, I love so much and that like certainly a, a big influence on my work, all set in Southern California and just very different than the typical kind of Raymond Chandler hard talking, drinking, you know, betting women kind of person, which I've never really liked, like a, a just really developed empathetic series with great cases and, mm-hmm. and a wonderful um, detective at the center. They're whodunits, but but they're really kind of explorations of people and kind of the situations we put ourselves in to make us commit crime. So that that would be the last thing. I'm always stumping for that series. It was popular, then it kind of fell out. There's been some reprints, and you might be able to get some of your local Barnes & Noble. Your library will almost probably have some copies, too, of his work. But mm-hmm. um, just about any book in that series, you, you really can't go wrong. I like that you mentioned Raymond Chandler because we finally – my uh, my co-host and I with the other podcasts, we just read The Big Sleep mm-hmm. and we weren't really that exposed to him that much. And I didn't really know a lot about that author. And it was kind of tedious, to be honest, to read, to yeah. read his work. You're not familiar <laughs> with that dialogue for sure. And he really is, um, for better and for worse, kind of the person for whom a lot of contemporary crime fiction has descended. And there have been great writers like Megan Abbott and Steph Cha who have either written about or spoken publicly about 
Chandler's influence on them, but a need to get Chandler's work away from that post-war wounded masculine milieu mm-hmm. and just kind of broaden that story um, a lot more. Yeah, it's like we all owe kind of a debt to him, but I think there are so many people who have who have made improvements on what he was trying to do. Right. I am kind of curious a little bit, Jacob. So what is it about these whodunits that you enjoy so much? I mean, we all love our own genres that we gravitate toward, right? And I'm definitely the mystery, thriller, horror, go-to type person. But what is it about this that you enjoy? So I think, and this is kind of what makes my books tough to market too. I don't like <laughs> done it as much as the why done it. And I think, again, that's why I like McDonald's so much because his 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 books are about why we do the things we do. My my books try to explore like why do these people do the things that they do, and it doesn't right. make it okay, but just trying to understand uh, the atmosphere. I think just I've always been kind of a straight laced person, and I'm a habitual rule follower, so I find crime fascinating, <laughs> uh, just in that practical sense of why would anyone break the law? I mean, I know why, people, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, like so I that that's kind of like my my big thing is like diving into crime, figuring out why people uh do this more than like, you know, I read Agatha Christie because you should if you're writing mysteries, you should read her just to learn the mechanics. She's a great technical writer, but um I don't really care for the, you know, so and so in the was killed in the living room with a candlestick. I don't care for the clue like mystery. Why were they there? What was the motivation? what what led to this like why specifically even the candlestick the why has always been kind of the bigger curiosity for me like if there's a murder there's a murder yeah period but why did why did you you know there there's that oh i want to kill somebody because you're angry or whatnot but the fact that some people take that extra step and you're just like what i Mm -hmm. love reading about human behavior i love talking about it it's so fascinating the mm-hmm. things that people will take the extra step to do versus, you know, like we all want to do A, B, C, D, of course, but yep. these people actually went and did it. So it's yep, it's exactly. quite, it's an enormous thing, I think. But anyway, uh, but thank you again for coming by today and talking to me about your work. I love hearing about this. I love hearing about any authors that also put in the history of the place. I love uh, learning about just human behavior like this. But I, I hope you come back to talk to me when you get your books published or you get your next book going. And good luck to you, Jacob. This is uh, this is fascinating. I think this is going to be an amazing set of series to be published. So. Thank, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really am so grateful that you had me. Thank you. Okay, where are you at in Texas? I'm in Houston. Houston. Oh, I love... So my in-laws, we have family moved to Texas. I'd never been before a few years ago. Oh. And they live near Dallas, but we did like a Texas swing starting in Houston and seeing like San Antonio, mm-hmm. Austin, and Dallas. I loved Houston. It's Yay. A- We're a food city all the way. Yeah. So I'm a big food person. So you so, can eat the a totally different meal every single day of the week for like three weeks. It's amazing. Yeah. Quick side note. It's so weird. Houston has this weird hatred for Dallas. I don't know what it is. Like I, I hate it. I don't. I don't know why. Um, to be honest, but Dallas just doesn't really care if Houston hate him, hate them or not. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. like being in both cities. Houston made me think a lot of New Orleans. Maybe not necessarily culturally, but it has that Gulf Coast atmosphere and, mm-hmm. and sort of is like adjacent to that. 
very much a like a city of communities all on top of each oh, other. Oh yeah, we're such an Dallas, international city. Yeah, that's the big thing. And Dallas is just so spread out, so spread out. Like oh, the yeah. metroplex area is like. I mean, my in laws live almost an hour north of Dallas, but they're considered a Dallas suburb. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just it's it's just weird. Like it's <laughs> a weird area. Like it's interesting to visit. I like visiting them, but it's, it's just. Uh-huh. It's weird. Like it's it, so I'm, normal for us to to drive forty five minutes to go meet for dinner, and yeah. that's such a normal thing. It's so normal for us to like. Okay, we're meeting for dinner at eight. I have to leave about seven. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> there, a lot of people be like, I would never, you know, I would never even consider something like that. But it's so normal for us. <laughs> yeah, we spend most of our time driving. <laughs> That I've heard it's a sprawling city. I mean, I only saw like a little bit of it for like 48 hours, but I love it. Hey, hey well, thank and you. If the, if the food is that good, I would absolutely drive an hour. Oh, yeah. Work. But yeah. anyway, okay. Um, well, thank you again. And I will talk to you next time, Jacob. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me About Your Book. Please continue to support indie authors and indie bookstores. And if you would love to support Tell Me About Your Book podcast, you can certainly do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash tellmepodcast. For a price of a coffee, you can support monthly for just $5. There's other tiers too in the memberships, and you can look at all the info about it, and I would certainly, certainly appreciate it. And of course, there's the other podcast, Books, Cats, and Snacks, where Caddy and I talk all things book and about her cats too. See you then.